Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Well, all right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. I'm Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you can attend. Uh, hope uh, you enjoy the show. Today, I want to uh, spend a little time talking about this immigration policy change that the Biden administration is going to put forth, or actually, it's they're just going to eliminate a Trump-era um, uh, policy called Title 42. Um, so, you know, Biden has not stopped eliminating Trump-era policies. And, of course, we talked about, you know, in the last show, how that's been working out for him. It's not been working out so well. And I guess... He wants to put an exclamation point on um, the series of bad decisions that he's going to make. Now, it is true that this this particular policy, uh, Title 42, was just created during COVID. And it was basically a policy that said, hey, you know, uh, we uh, the border control border patrol can turn you away at the border due to COVID policies because we just don't have enough people to process them, uh, to process the people coming across. And so to kind of give you an idea, uh, back when uh, Trump was president, about a thousand people a day were coming across the border and saying, hey, I would like to claim asylum. They're expecting now that um, with the elimination of Title 42, they expect that to raise to about uh, 18,000. So the numbers are huge. Uh, it's probably going to redirect resources to um, processing uh, migrants coming across the border rather than um, defending the border or patrolling the border. So that's one of the big complaints is that it's going to uh, necessarily increase illegals crossing that aren't supposed to cross. So now let's back up a little bit because uh, when Trump was running for president, this was a big issue. And of course, uh, the Democrats have made it about race. And, you know, look, I don't think it's about race. I think it's I think people know that it's a burden on society to take too many poor people from um, from countries that that, you know, people that don't have a lot of skills um, they're gonna, uh, they're bringing in their children. They're gonna fill up the schools with kids that can't speak English. It's it's a resource uh, problem, and I think your average American understands that. The other thing they don't want to do is they don't want to radically change their culture, radically change their neighborhoods, or radically change anything about uh, the world they're living in, and. I don't necessarily think this is racist. I think people that are raising families want the best for their families, and they're just trying to—they're just trying to make it day to day, you know, week to week. And they see this as disruptive, and that's—that's that's why culturally the country's pushing back. The Democratic Party, on the other hand, is—is is making it about race. They're making it about privilege. They're saying that all of us. That live in the United States were immigrants at one point in our family. And that that's true. Uh, all that's that's true. But 
we were we're, we're not illegal immigrants. Most of Americans, certainly, really early on, people could just walk across the border and be an American. But most of the time when people are thinking about immigration, they're thinking about Ellis Island, they're thinking about these vast numbers of people that came on ships from Ireland and other European countries, Italy, and passed in front of the Statue of Liberty. And, uh, you know, everybody's seen The Godfather, right? So, you know, we see Don Corleone coming over when he's just a little boy and they don't even know his name. And um, they, they check him for um, various um, diseases and then they, you know, send him on, right? Well, that's not what's happening today. That's not what's happening, not even close to what's happening today. What's happening today, as we all know, we see people just streaming across the border, um, going through waist-deep water on the Rio Grande, crossing at Del Rio, um, all kinds of places along Texas. One of the problems I have with this is the complete um, disregard for private property. There's a lot of ranchers that live along uh, the Texas border, and there's trash being thrown everywhere. There's there's people, you know, camping out on their property. There's, uh, you know, it's disruptive to these to these ranchers, and they can't do anything about it because they're told, oh, this is the federal government's purview. Well, if it's the federal government's purview, then the federal government needs to do something about it. Obviously. But they're not doing anything about it. And the reason they're not doing anything about it is because they don't care. They don't care about your private property. They don't care about uh, your safety. They don't care that if murderers and, uh, you know, certainly not everybody coming over is a murderer or a rapist or something. But there, there are no doubt some, right? I mean, in the numbers that you're talking about, there's got to be some that are, that are not good for society. So this is what the whole Title 42 thing is about. Again, I think this is not a controversial thing in America. Um, it, it's just a, a convenient political thing for both Democrats and Republicans. That's why I say, you know, the Democrat good, Republican bad, or vice versa, this is not a workable uh, solution because it doesn't, neither one of these parties address the underlying principles. And the underlying principles are look, in a, in a society that has the kind of tax structure and safety net structure that we have, does it make sense to just let people stream across the border? And the answer, obviously, is no, because th- this creates huge financial burdens uh, for the taxpayer, not to mention the cultural challenges that it creates. Uh, just in the schools alone, you, you could just, if you just boil this down to only only the drain on schools, it's a massive drain. You've got uh, these kids, a huge influx of these children coming to schools. They don't speak English. Uh, that puts pressure on the ESL, English as a Second Language programs. That means they got to hire more teachers. They got to build, you know, more classrooms. All this kind of stuff. This all costs money, and we're paying for it. And nobody is asking us whether or not we want to pay for it. They're just doing it, and. That's a real problem in a representative government. So <clears throat> maybe we don't have a representative government anymore. Maybe they should just come on TV and tell us that we don't have that anymore because that's certainly what it appears to be like. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a clip here. 
a couple clips uh, from a report on this, and we're going to comment on it. President Biden now rolling back a Trump-era pandemic policy that effectively blocked migrants from entering the United States. CNN's Priscilla Alvarez joins us now from Del Rio, Texas, near the U.S.-Mexico border. Priscilla, break it down. John, this is a significant moment as the country opens up and the and we try to move forward from this pandemic. The CDC now announcing that on May 23rd, it's going to terminate the public health authority that has allowed authorities to turn back migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. So the way it's been working since um, since Trump and then Biden's presidency with this Title 42 implementation is if you come to across the border legally, okay, now illegally all bets are off, but if you come to a border control station and you say, I'm from Venezuela and I'm seeking asylum, they get all your information, they write everything down, and they send you, they can send you, they don't necessarily do, but they can send you back across the border while they, while they review your claim for asylum. Um, many times they're just letting you loose inside the United States. But th th they can send you back right now. That's what Title 42 allows the government to do is to say, thank you very much. We're going to take your case into consideration. We've written down your name. Here's your court date, whatever. And if that claim is um, is honored by the United States government, then that person gets to come in and uh, be here legally. <clears throat> um, but all that's going to go away. So um, the the idea is is that uh, there's going to be a huge influx of people doing this, and there's not enough border patrol people to do that and patrol the border. And so that's that's what the big concern is. And they think the whole system is just going to be overwhelmed. And quite possibly it may be. The reason for that date, John, is to allow the Department of Homeland Security to set up its preparations for uh, when they go back to the normal operating procedure that was in place before these restrictions. And as they anticipate more migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border, Democrats, John, have been wary of this moment this week, speaking out about seeing a com comprehensive plan from DHS as we anticipate a busy few weeks ahead. John. So they've asked the DHS for a plan, and I suppose that's good. It's better than not having a plan at all. Um, but really that plan is, is going to be relegated to how are you going to handle all these people. The bigger problem is how we're going to pay for, for, the, you know, for the demand on our system, the strain on our public system. So because we live in basically a welfare state, we, you know, we have a bunch of people that don't pay taxes, that, that, uh, that get benefits from the state. And effectively, we're increasing that by, you know, well, in, in the recent past year, uh, a couple of million. Um, and we're, we're increasing it at a high rate of speed. So what happens is you know, these people come with their children. We have uh, compulsory education in this country, and so they, these kids have to go to school. And we're just there's no planning there. The DHS is not helping with any kind of plans in these local schools. They're just dumped on the local school system wherever the they end up, and uh, and the schools just have to deal with them. Now this is just one example. This is just one part of our public system, right? Uh, public health, uh, public uh, school. But there's there's many moving parts to. Uh, benefits that flow to uh, less fortunate Americans. 
and and illegal aliens. There, there is no there is no provision for not allowing illegal alien aliens to benefit from this safety net system. So uh, this is really like a a path. You know, I mean, this if this goes on for much longer. It's going to radically change our culture. Maybe it already has uh, to the point of no return, but it's going to bankrupt us too. I mean, we you cannot have uh, these two things cannot exist: open borders and a generous um, safety net type system. Those two things can't coexist because there's there's limited resources. There's there's only so much money. There's only so many. Uh, teachers there's only so many schoolhouses there's you know it, it just can't persist this way um, but you know some speculate that the Democrats are trying to change the electorate you know what I would rather have in this country I mean as long as you know, this is my show so I can talk about I can speculate as to what I would rather have I would rather have you know a kind of an open border but then just no free stuff just if you come here, you got to figure out a way to survive, or you got to live off the charity of somebody else. This this whole living off the state, where the state really can't hold people accountable, that's for the birds. Uh, Democrats who complained repeatedly that they thought Trump administration policies were inhumane, uh, and that then President Trump found any reason he could to be tough on immigrants, and many Democrats said even abusing pandemic science to do so, now say whoa. I love how this guy frames up the discussion. You know, uh, Trump era policies were inhumane and um, abusing pandemic science. I mean, this is so Orwellian. I mean, what about the people that live here? You know, that have who have lived here for generations and are trying to scratch out a living, um, given this you know maniacal, crazy government, the way it spends and. And does things that make no logical sense. You know what about what about what about the suffering of those people? I mean, we can't save all eight billion people that live in the world. Um, we can save some, but we can't just open the border and let people stream across at the expense of the people that are already living here. I mean, we are not obligated. I personally am not obligated to take care of Hondurans and Mexicans and Venezuelans and. Guatemalans. I mean, I, I, I could barely take care of my own family. I mean, I think that's the way most Americans feel. And to just keep layering on heaps and heaps of financial responsibility onto Americans because some people are poor in the world and, you know, some people are not. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, what we should be doing is just giving a good example to the world about what it is to be free in a country. Of course, we're not doing a good job of that either. People are very, very nervous about what is going to happen here. And quite frankly, the Biden administration has been incredibly, Caitlin, you know this better than anybody, has been incredibly careful in how they have addressed issues of immigration because they know that it could, can and will be used against them uh, in the midterm elections. And they've come under a lot of pressure from activists who, you know, frankly, they were angry at Barack Obama. So there it is. You know, it's all about politics. It's about the midterm elections and, you know, forget what's right. You know, let's just let's just placate this small minority of people that are loud and um, politically active at the expense of, you know, everybody else. I mean, that's essentially what she's saying. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just I'm just tired of it. You know, democracy is tyranny. 
okay? When 50 plus 1 can decide the fate of the other 49, that's tyranny, okay? That's not liberty, and that's not what our government was designed to do. And so, you know, we, I think we're getting to a point where some of these responsibilities are just going to have to be taken away from the federal government. I mean, maybe the state of Texas needs to not send its payroll tax to the federal government. Maybe it just needs to collect it all in Austin, and we'll set up our own border patrol here in, in Texas and, and keep, uh, keep illegals from streaming across the border. I don't know what the solution is, but what is not the solution is to continue to send money to Washington, D.C., and then them not do what they're supposed to be doing, what everybody knows that they should be doing. And so I'm, I'm for uh, solutions that lead more to liberty and nothing coming out of Washington, D.C. is leading to any kind of uh, liberty for anybody living in America. Uh, in the old days, before what's called Title 42 in the Trump administration, uh, you would cross into the United States, you would file your asylum papers, and then you would most likely normally stay in the United States yeah. while that was litigated. 89,296 such people turned away in the month of February. Uh, the Biden administration has now said, effective in May, we're going to set that policy aside. So he kind of lays out the policy here and how things worked before Title 42, which I've already talked about. But let's just look at the numbers, the 89,000. That's uh, over a million a year. Let's just say half of them uh, go ahead and go into the United States and uh, wait till their, their case is litigated. That's a half a million people living here that we're going to have to round up and deport if, if, their, if their case is denied. Well, you know, that's a humanitarian crisis. You know, the Democrats complain about that, about how ICE goes and takes people from their jobs and puts them on a plane and sends them back to the border. You know, I mean, you just can't win for losing. That's why this whole system, it, it's just its just chaos. It, and its it's got to be by design. It, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know if it's votes or if it's to bankrupt the country and, you know, create some sort of new... Um, financial system or, you know, because we, we're never going to be able to pay the 30 trillion in debt off. So I don't know what the, I don't know what's behind this, but clearly it's chaotic and not thought out, not well thought out as a, as a solution, maybe well thought out as, as a purposeful undermining um, uh, kind of plan, but it's, it's not a solution, never has been, and uh, it's not, not going to be going forward. What the what's coming across part offends immigrant rights advocates, just as when the former President Trump would say, you know, who Mexico was sending, I won't repeat it. Yeah, and even some of his own Democrats were very critical of those comments, saying that they don't believe that's accurate because the Biden administration has been heavily criticized. It's kind of hard to overstate how much they've been criticized for keeping Title 42 in place. So what this thing is about here, somebody stuck a microphone in front of Joe Manchin's face and said, you know, what do you think is about what, what's going on on the border and getting rid of Title 42? Of course, he said, yeah, I think it's a bad idea. And, and then he made some comment about, they said, well, why do you think it's a bad idea? And he goes, well, look at just what's coming across and not who. You know, I, the reality is, if, if he, had he said, look who's coming across, it would have been the same. What or who... It doesn't matter. The media would have scared him for it um, because that's what they do. That's what they do. They're they're looking for reasons to skewer politicians, no matter what they say. And um, and that's the that's the difficulty of commenting on these things. 
But what he meant, what I think he meant by what's coming across is just you have the poorest of the poorest people in the world coming across. They have no skills. How are they going to how are they going to navigate our technological, you know, economy that we have here in the United States? I mean, they're not. They're, we're, we're setting these people up for failure. A lot of these people are farmers and, you know, the low skilled people. And yeah, we, we need some of those people, but we don't need as many that are coming across as, you know, is that are coming across. So we don't need that many. Um, it's just going to be a real problem. And, um, and, and once people are here, as we've seen with this whole dreamer political football, you, you can't round people up and, and send them back. That's, that, that's inhumane. So we're, we're probably, you know, a couple of generations away from from having a productive group of people out of this group that's coming, you know. So we're going to have 20, 30 million people here, and, and it's going to take 60 years before they're not a burden on our society. And that's that's a real problem in, in this country where we're, we're already taxed a lot, our, uh, our costs are going up every day. Just to get our, our viewers up to speed, President... Trump, at the time he was president, he invoked a public health authority known as Title 42. He did this at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, supposedly to prevent migrants from, from bringing COVID-19 into the U.S., although people criticize the president for just using this as a way to, to keep uh, undocumented immigrants out of the country. So this guy is framing up the discussion for uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Um, and, of course, he he kind of make some backhanded comments about, you know, Trump set this up, you know, supposedly to keep people from bringing COVID across the border. Well, yeah, I mean, every day there were people telling us that we had to wear a mask and we couldn't go to work and we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that. And um, if you got COVID, you had to stay home and and what? We're just going to let people stream across the border with COVID? I mean, look, I watched the coverage. We weren't even checking people. They were just... You know, I mean, there's there's no telling how what kind of impact that had on the COVID problem. But, you know, the reality is, who knows what Trump's intentions were, but at least it makes more logical sense to, you know, put up something like Title 42 in the middle of the pandemic than it does just to let people stream across the border. I mean, I just... I don't know, man. These people's arguments don't make any logical sense, but they continue to make them, and they and they just keep saying them over and over and over again. And I guess that's part of the strategy. Is eventually, you know, people will believe it. People will uh, see it as a rational argument. But I think it's just more demagoguery than anything else. The the pandemic's not over. Uh, why? Uh, what do you think about the CDC making this decision? And and won't this decision? Isn't it basically taking a problem and throwing it into DHS's lap? You're going to have a whole new surge of tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of, of undocumented immigrants. Jake, there's something very important uh, that uh, the listeners should understand, and that is that Title 42, as it is known, is a public health authority. It is not an immigration policy. And as a public health authority, it is exercised by the CDC depending upon the arc of the pandemic. And the CDC, in its expertise, uh, we are not public health experts, in its public health expertise, decided 
uh, that the use of Title 42 should come to an end when we in the Department of Homeland Security have ramped up our public health protocols sufficient to address migration at the southern border. Oh, so Title 42 is not a racist policy. It's a public health policy. Oh, okay. So when Trump did it, it was a racist policy. Now it's a public health policy. Well, I mean, there you have it. That's, that's the way things are done in Washington, D.C. What I'm concerned about is the economic impact to all of us. And again, you know, if you're not economically free in America, and I'm not talking about just buying everything you want to buy or whatever. I'm saying if you're, uh, you know, you're going through life and um, you can't afford to buy groceries and you can't afford to, um, you know, get your car registered and the tax paid on it and things like that, um, you're not economically, you're not free in America. And, and that's my big point is how much of this are we going to do? How, how, how much are, is the average person going to suffer before these politicians realize that these policies are harmful? And then, and then what do you do? How do you turn it back? That's my concern is I don't think there's real good, there's not a real good correlation that they can, a, a good signaling method that shows how harmful this is to, to your average American. And then once it does become apparent to these politicians, and I don't know, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they, uh, maybe the the Republicans get three hundred and twenty five seats in the House or something crazy like that, and and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, uh, we didn't know this was harming America. Well, then what do you do? What do you do? Do you round all these people up and put them in a cage and hold them and slowly deport them? I mean, what are you going to do? And I, I just don't think people have thought uh, much further. When I, and when I say people, I'm talking about these liberals that are pushing these policies. I don't think they thought much beyond, um, oh, you know, everybody should have a little bit of the United States. You know, that's that's kind of the extent of their. We're all immigrants, so we shouldn't exclude other immigrants that want to come here. Well, okay, but we're also we also are a nation of laws. We have certain laws and rules and regulations that we that we entrust politicians to put down to keep society orderly and, you know, not let things get too out of whack. And they're just throwing all that out the window. And so, you know, then it comes back to, well, what do you, do, what are you here for? You know, Congressman, Senator, why are you here? Why are you here, Mr. President? What are you doing? What is your priority? Number one. And, you know, love him or hate him, at least Trump knew that he was there to more or less protect, you know, America as it is, you know, not sit there and dream up of all kinds of ways that he can turn America into something else at the expense of its current citizenry. So I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, I just think this is bad. I, I think, like a lot of the policies that the government has, you know, they're just building and building and building. Eventually it's going to snap and people are going to go, what happened? And what, we just didn't see this coming. We didn't connect the dots. And the point is there's people out there connecting these dots. They're just not listening. 
Uh, we are a nation of immigrants and a nation of laws. When an individual makes a claim for relief in a post-Title 42 environment, when they make a claim for relief as our laws provide, if that claim succeeds, they have established a basis to stay here. If that claim does not, they will be removed. You hear people in government say this all the time. We're a nation of laws and we're a nation of immigrants. And, that, and that's true, but it's not, it's not the reality. Okay, the, the, the statement is true. That was the idea of the country. But that's not how things are in practice. Um, we're a nation uh, of immigrants at one point, legal immigration. Now we're, you know, we're becoming, they're wanting to create a nation of illegal immigrants. Um, and of course, you, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it can't, the two things can't coexist. You can't, you, your first act is coming here cannot be breaking a law in a nation of laws. I mean, that's just ridiculous on its face. And yet that's really what we have. Now he says that if your claim is denied, you will be sent back. And, I, and look, a lot of people are sent back, but many, many, many times more are, are here either legally with a, with a, uh, in a successful claim to stay here um, uh, with asylum or illegally. In fact, the vast numbers are illegal. And, and that just sets up a problem later on for what do we do? And then it's going to be a political discussion about, well, we just can't round everybody up and send them home and all this kind of stuff. And, and then, you know, the number, instead of being 20 million, it'll be 50 million. And then, you know, what do you do with, with these 50 million people that, that now live in the United States and have been for 20 years? You know, what do you do with them? And so we're just really setting, our, setting ourselves up for bigger problems down the road, problems that nobody can agree on. And uh, it would just be a lot easier if we just went on TV and said, look, don't come to America. We're gonna, you're going to sit for months in a holding cell while we process your claim. Um, it's better just to come through the normal channels. You know. But that's not what they're saying. You know, a lot of these politicians get on TV and say, come, you know, yeah, come on, come on over to America. We're a nation of immigrants. And and of course, they know that once they get here, they'll, you know, they're they're likely never going to leave, and that there's plenty of safety net there to help them get started. And uh, the problem is, it's just a huge economic burden for the rest of us. And so, which anytime anytime there's an economic burden created by somebody else, that impacts your liberty. Okay, if I create an economic burden for myself, for example, let's say I start a business. And I have to go without income for six months. Well, that's on me. Okay, that's that's uh, an economic burden I created on myself. But when the government does something, and then you know wipes out my job or, or, or burdens me with more cost, and then now I can't I can't survive my my lifestyle. That's not on me. That's on the government. That's that's antithetical to liberty. And the government should not be in the business. Of, of disincentivizing liberty or uh, creating scenarios where liberty is taking away, taken away from individual Americans. That's not America. Okay, that is ridiculous. In fact, we've talked about this before. But anytime laws are created that that don't 
protect liberty and property, then those laws ultimately end up being used against individuals. And so that's what we have in this country, and and I, I suspect it'll persist until we see really, really strong evidence that it's that it's harming everyday Americans, and then the politicians will reverse. But by then it'll be too late. We'll be we'll have a whole new set of questions about what we're going to do. So, look, that's uh, pretty much it for today. I mean, I hope you enjoyed the program. <clears throat> I'm still trying to get my voice back. Um, just bear with me on that. It's not quite as strong as it normally is, but um, uh, hopefully you can hear the passion underneath the scratchiness. And, um, and, and look, if you like the program, you know, share it um, with some of your friends, family members. And let's uh, let's get other people understanding, you know, the principles behind who gets to decide. At the end of the day, we're about liberty. We're about uh, freedom, economic freedom, and you know, I've got some uh, some topics that we're going to be talking about. I think are going to be very interesting. And you know, keep coming back. Write me a review on your favorite podcatcher, and keep coming back, and we'll keep talking about topics around who gets to decide. <laughs>